Support for the Soundwriter Show is provided in part by Moon Motorcycles, a family-run operation located in Issaquah, Washington. Moon Motorcycles features a diverse selection of used bikes to choose from. Whether you're shopping for a used sport bike, cruiser, dual sport, sport touring, or street standard, you owe it to yourself to visit Moon Motorcycles and look over their large inventory. Have you got a used bike you want to consign? Get in touch with Moon Motorcycles today. Hey, this is a room from Motocorsa. What's up? You're listening to the Soundrider Show, the only show that I listen to when I want to talk about motorcycles. Now live from the Crow's Nest studio in beautiful downtown Broadview, Washington, join us for the latest episode of the Sound Rider Show, a candid hour featuring the people, places, and things that make up the fabric of one of the top motorcycle riding destinations in the world. And now here are your hosts, Tom Marin, Derek Roberts, and whoever else happens to drop by today. Do you ever listen to the, the next-gen country music? You know, I, I can't stand country music. Oh, I tell you, I love all those fat guitars. It, it just yeah. rock and roll, you know? Sings to your soul. Yeah, I mean, maybe you would like country music now if you'd listen to the next gen. You know, my mom tries to convince me of that, believe it or not. And after 25 years in the music business, I must say, I'm loving my career in the motorcycle business, so we're going to talk about motorcycles We're going to talk about motorcycles. That's right. That's what we're here to do each and every month. Welcome, everybody, to the Soundwriter Show. This is show number 1607. For those of you keeping track, that would be our July 2016 show. That's right. So, again, welcome, ladies, gentlemen. Uh, motorcycle riders, and of course, patriots of all stripes. The July show, talking about motorcycles, which is kind of synonymous with independence to me. Yeah, so uh, when you got on a motorcycle, did you feel like you were independent at that point? Did you, know, you feel free? The first couple of miles are a little nerve-wracking, I think, uh, probably for everybody. I was in my mid-20s, too. I was going to say, it was about the first 3,000 miles for me. I didn't necessarily feel like uh i had all my freedom and everything you know? yeah well you know it's kind of uh part of the um the allure of it is the freedom but it's a technical skill and it does take a little bit of courage and practice and i've heard stories from a lot of riders too you know who they buy the bike and they are they're scared to get it out of the garage for those first couple of times and you kind of have to encourage them take it slow you know Stick to the side streets, uh, build up your confidence, but get out there because you will get more comfortable with it. And you know what I think is a really good first bike? What's that? It's a Honda CBR1100X Blackbird. Yeah, I think you want to probably big bore out the cylinders, That's too. That's like an awesome first yeah. bike. <laughs> because, you know, once you get it, you never need to get another bike. That's true, because you scare the crap out of yourself the first time you get on it, if you ever get it out of the garage, and then you just it sits there for year after year until uh, your wife makes you sell it. Everybody knows I'm kidding when I say that, too. That's right. I, 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 now, I'm not kidding anymore. I think the awesome first bike is the uh, Honda CB250 Nighthawk. Yeah, that's, that's a great one. a great little standard, and we always talk about that, keeping it under, you know, or keeping it around 250cc or below. My first bike was a KLR 250, uh, kickstart only, and I thought that was a pretty good first bike, too, if you're tall enough to, to get up on the seat. Now, have you booked yourself in for a hip replacement yet? For hip replacements? No, my hips feel pretty good. Why? Is there a... I don't know. I think after all that kickstarting, maybe that right oh, hip is sure. going to be the first one to go. You know, that one was a, it was actually pretty charming, uh, the, the kickstart on that. But I'll tell you, here in Seattle, with that carbureted engine and that small tank, I had a few issues on some of these hills where uh, you're sitting there clutching the brake in one hand, stalled out at a traffic light, uh, furiously stomping on that Kickstarter, um, trying not to get run over or delay. And for your first couple of months, that can give you a little hesitation. But hey, that's what builds character, right? Yeah. That's why I call that bike the Character Builder 250. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, though, about your, your moto independence. When, was, uh, when did you get started? I know you were very young when you first got on your, uh, your friend's Honda there, but when did it really kind of take flight for you? Uh, about two weeks ago up yeah. in uh, Gray Creek Pass in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> on the Sasquatch Dual Sport on Tour. the Sasquatch Dual Sport Tour. Yeah. I, had, I had one of my mo most momentous occasions, and I think that's really when motorcycling kicked in for me 40 years later. Yeah, well, you know, that's the, that just goes to show you that you can't teach a, uh, an old dog new tricks, right? Oh, we did. Yeah, because now I saw the post up there on uh, on Facebook, and this is the one where we were talking about a little snow up there. Is that right? We had snow up in the past. Yeah. So um, 
You want a little recap on the Sasquatch too? Please recap me. Take me through it. Yeah. Because that's like the best part, and I don't want to do that until I tell you the rest. Yes. I want to okay. bore you really good, and then I got to really pop the big news on you. The buildup. Well, I'm all for that. But uh, we had uh, 28 people on tour this year. That's great. And uh, a little bit rainy, really dicey getting some of the pre-riding done, but we finally figured out we could get through. There was two routes we could use in the morning on the first day, and uh, one was uh, a little easier than the other, but they tell me that it wasn't so easy either, so I did the harder one. Sure. Uh, it looks like Forest Service 41 in the Gifford Pincho National Forest is maybe on the list of termination roads. Because they're not maintaining it. So it's getting pretty gnarly out there. Yeah, there's a lot of hand slapping going on with the trees growing out, mm. a lot of ruts in the road, um, a lot of loose gravel here and there. And you could see where people had fallen down. Sure. So um, uh, did that, rained a little bit, really misty. We couldn't see down into the gorge when we got up into the top area. But uh, then we went down to Stevenson for lunch, and on the way into Stevenson, we were on the road between Carson and Stevenson, which I've done several times. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you're always in the woods, so you don't see anything. That's true. When we came around a the corner, they had done a clear cut for the next couple of miles. Wow. And you got really great view of the gorge from up there. That's great. So uh, that was beautiful. Went down and had lunch in Stevenson, and uh, nothing impressive to tell you about that. Um, and then we took off and went over to Hood River for the first night and used some of the back roads in there. So I took the guys along the, the uh, lower area of the lava bed, the big lava bed. Yep. And when you look through the trees, you can actually see where the lava flow stopped right there as you're riding along. Um, the next morning, day 2 a.m., was awesome yeah the route just clicked it was it was really nice we went up through uh the the uh, courtney road there and up into the appleton area uh there was an area that was real slick from the rain the night before so i i brought my posse down and and uh, did a little detour but some people went straight through the area that says impassable when wet wow and uh, I'd warned them all, you know, you might get some clay sure. stuck up in there in your fender. Now, those were the Harley guys, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. actually, one of them was on a Harley. Really? Yeah, no yeah. kidding. Wow. Because uh, Bruce Graham has an 883 Sportster that he's got all done up for dual sport. That's right, because he was at uh, the Rally in the Gorge last mm-hmm. year with that, too, right? Yep, he sure was. I think he was the award winner of our best custom bike at the <laughs> Rally in the Gorge last best year. Best rat so. dual sport, I That's guess. right. I don't know. Sure. So, uh, but but just between all uh, between going Hood River out to Goldendale, the route that was laid out, it was it was really fun, and the surface kept changing, and it was challenging, but it wasn't so bad that you wanted to turn around and go back home. Um, got to Goldendale, and then from there it was easy breezy all afternoon. It was all pea gravel stuff, but we were riding on old Highway Eight, which is what used to be the main highway before they built Highway Fourteen. Yeah. Uh, and they changed all the numbers and stuff. There's some history on Wikipedia about that. And uh, went into Tri-Cities, had dinner at, uh, at a really nice little restaurant out on Clover Island. Uh, oh, and looked up in the air, and there was a dozen sandhill cranes flying in the air. Have you ever, ever, ever seen a sandhill crane? I don't know that I have. I it, mean, it's possible. but It's like the closest you're ever going to get to seeing pterodactyls. So they're huge. They're huge. Giant they wingspans. Big wingspans. And then one of them came down and was hanging out on the dock by the Columbia River. Wow. And the uh, uh, server told us, she said that uh, he's been kind of hanging out there all summer. So... Um, well, we got a little time left if you want to go down and check one of those out, because that's a pretty rare sighting. I mean... Yeah, I've seen them in the potholes area before, yeah. and I've also seen them out in uh, Central Oregon. So they're around. They yeah. migrate up here. And uh, uh, I remember one day the, uh, they were supposed to be around. They're supposed to come in in like the late spring, and we were out at potholes camping. And I said to one of the locals, I said, So when do the Sandhill Cranes, uh, where are they right now? And he goes, I think they're in the grass. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Got like a little local color there, right? Yeah. Yeah. So then, uh, then we made our way up the next day. We went up uh, through central Washington, uh, out of Tri-Cities, and tried to follow the east side of the Columbia River, and I'd never been over there. And uh, came around a corner, and sitting right in front of you was Hanford Nuclear Plant. Oh, and yeah, that's right. you saw all right. three of the installations there. there. It was awesome. So I took out my rocket launch. No, no. <laughs> yeah. 
but uh, it was beautiful and uh, and interesting. Very lots of agriculture going on over there. Um, you know, that's something that a lot of people, particularly more and more as Seattle becomes sort of more and more of a popular and destination city, a lot of people forget about Eastern Washington. But there's a lot of cool stuff going on, not just naturally, but um, you know, things like the plant and uh, the wineries and oh um, yeah, all kinds of good stuff. Tons then, of agriculture. Yeah, it's a very um, it's a very interesting area. Um, and, you know, when you think about it, we went from Tri-Cities up to Grand Coulee City that morning. Right. So that was quite a blast through the state. Uh, most of that was pavement, but uh, some of it was up in some of the uh, – we went up into the Dry Coulee area, and uh, that was beautiful up there. What they – I guess, I don't know, they, they allowed the farmers to plant all the way up to the edge of the wall of the coulee. So you had this green carpet. Of, I wonder, of what are they growing? Is it oh probably alfalfa, alfalfa or, or maybe soybeans know, or something? Or something. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so well, that was really cool. And another good reason to be out on the east side there's a lot of open roads too, right? Yeah. So I mean that's why. Oh yeah, we didn't have we weren't yeah. stuck behind people. Or there's anything. no traffic and no. plenty of straight roads too and that kind of thing, which can sometimes be nice if you're trying to cover some distance. Yeah. So then uh, we went up to Kettle Falls the next morning. We got up, went up to Canada. Had lunch in Creston, and then we went up the Kootenay Lake uh, to the Gray Creek area right? and crossed over Gray Creek Pass. Now, before you get into the Gray Creek Pass here, did you have any problems crossing the border into Canada? Uh, this year, no. Okay. No, so we didn't have any trouble. All 28 were able to uh, get their passports cleared, and everybody was able to jump across. With and no. by that point, we'd already lost a few people, but it was sure. no big deal. Right. So... Let's talk then about uh, the Grays Creek Pass, because this photo uh, it got a lot of attention on Facebook, and I know it certainly brought a smile to my face. Once you got out there and you got into the snow, how did that go? So uh, what happened was we left lunch, and we were going up Kootenay Lake, and it started raining. Right. I'm like, oh, geez. And you know, uh, Kootenay's Lake is like at 2,000 feet, and Gray Creek Pass is at 6,800 feet. So if it's snowing, I mean, if it's raining at Kootenay, it's, it could be snowing up at Gray Creek. That's a big elevation gain. Then we went to the store, and we told the guy at the store, we're, we're planning to go over the pass. He goes, yeah, two guys did it on motorcycles the other day, and then another lady says, no, two people try to do it and didn't make it because yeah. i got an email from them. conflicting like, oh, reports well, yep we don't know what's going to happen so then they both they both verified there's snow in the pass now i've i've been through snow in the past before you get off the bikes and uh you work two by two or or three or four people on one bike at a time and you push that puppy through right so uh so we usually these patches of snow are like a few hundred yards long right Typically, yeah. Well, the ones that I could make it through, yeah. yeah. Well, the ones that I think that most normal people would consider crossing. So even up to that point, we didn't know if we were going to get over the pass, right? Which you know, you'd, you'd, you'd think you'd have a report or something. Oh yeah, it's all open, or or, or it's not going to work. So, uh, but for for that pass, they officially it opened at July first. So what they had done was they had the grader up working on the road, but he hadn't gone up and pushed the pass open mm -hmm. yet. And he probably wasn't going to until July 1st. A soft opening. Yeah. Right. So we rode up past the grader, and Norm tried to bribe him with money, and he wouldn't do it. <laughs> and so uh, a couple of the guys went over a little hill to the left side of the pass that, that didn't have any snow on it. But that was like really tricky, two-tracky, single-tracky stuff, and I didn't want to break a bone up there. I'm sure. an old man, you know, so so I thought, no, I'm going to do it my old way, and we'll just push my bike through, and we did. And that was great. Yeah. And then we went back, and uh, Norm had his brand new Africa twin with uh, traction control and all that stuff, and we somehow managed to push that through too. Right. So uh, one by one, they're starting to come through. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So uh, we got everybody through that wanted to go through, with the exception of one rider who hit the snow too fast, too too kind of hit it too fast when he approached it, and uh, put his foot down and had a bit of an ankle tweak. Yeah. So he had to turn around and go back down. Yeah, which was the right probably decision. a really good idea because the other side of the pass was like 22 miles of bumbling road going out, and I don't think his ankle would have liked that very well That'd by been, the time he got to the other end. Been pretty tough to be up on the pegs for. But it was really momentous because, I mean, 
there we are, 6,800 feet going over a pass in the snow. Probably, as far as we know, it's the highest dirt road in Canada, and there's only two roads higher, and they're paved. Wow. So um, uh, that was really cool, really cool. really. And, and for me and for Norm, we had both been over the highest peak or the highest road in Washington, Oregon, and Idaho, and now we could add that road to our list. Well, kings of the Pacific Northwest, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, it sounds like a, it sounds like a fantastic trip, and that's why they call it the Sasquatch Dual Sport Adventure Tour, right? Yeah, and we did see Sasquatch. Yeah, he was out there? For sure. Did you see him every day? Every day. Yeah, he always follows you guys. That's great. In fact, at one point, I saw him crushing a gnome. Really? Yeah, that was freaky. Well, that's all. You can, you can only see that on the Sasquatch Tour. That's why you do it every year. All right, we're going to take a break, but before we take the break, I just want to take a moment. I want to welcome some of our new sponsors onto the magazine yeah. online. Um, uh, the Washington Motors, Motorcycle Road Racing Association, which is WIMRA. I want to welcome uh, Tacoma Motorsports, who has supported us along the way here and there for the last 17 years. Uh, First-time sponsor, Linwood Motoplex. Thank you very much for coming on board with us and sponsoring the magazine, and we're going to work hard for all you guys. Uh, Southbound Honda, got some nice advertising going on with them now, too. So uh, this is all great news, and it's what keeps us alive, keeps us going, and we're going to work hard for all those people, as well as all the other advertisers. That's right. A, A huge thanks to all the sponsors there. We'll be right back. Support for the Soundwriters Show is provided in part by... The MotoFit Group, providing track days in both Oregon and Washington. The MotoFit Group helps riders experience the next level of their riding abilities and takes them to the zone where the bike and rider become one. Find out more or sign up for a track day today at themotofitgroup.com. Hello, this is Paul Rogers with Henshaw's Motorcycle Store here in Auburn, Washington, and you are listening to The Sound Rider Show. All right. My name's Sean. I'm from uh, Bremerton. I got a KLR650 and a Goldwing, and my favorite ride is anything that involves dirt, uh, especially if I'm on the Goldwing. Back on the Sound Rider Show here, getting into news bites, keeping you up to date on all the latest and greatest in the world of motorcycling here in the Pacific Northwest. And you know, we thought it was kind of a slow month, but it turns out there's really quite a bit going on. A lot of stuff going on. Yeah, so why don't we dive right into it and let's talk about some used bikes, huh? So um, this happens from time to time based on the economy. We wind up with a used bike shortage. Right. Uh, Economy's good, the used bikes sell, and also a lot of them get sold overseas. And so now we've got a shortage out there in the market. So if you have a bike that you want to put on consignment at a dealer, this is the time to call the dealers and find out if they'll take your bike. That's an excellent suggestion. Because uh, I, I, I would figure, too, that the uh, prices are going to go up since there's a shortage of product out there. Well, I think, uh, I think that's a really great point. You know, we've had uh, some conversations, or at least I know that you have, with guys like uh, Scott Moon over at Moon Motorcycles talking about how certain types of bikes move really fast. So maybe if you're a rider listening, thinking about maybe upgrading to something new, mm-hmm. um, now might be the time to go out there and kind of put that toe in the water and see what you can get for your old bike. And maybe you don't want to put it on consignment. Maybe you want to look at, at the Moon Motorcycles website or yeah. any of the dealer's websites or look at our used bike pages, right. which has a lot of used bikes on them, and see what uh, what appeals to you and go and do a trade-in yeah and another great way just to test the uh test the waters too is you can always just float it up on sound rider and uh see if you get any action exactly and when you do that you're supporting us that's true which which we appreciate we appreciate that it keeps us going uh let's see other news bites here we got a interesting phone call in the middle of uh june uh, on a Saturday morning, and a uh, person who helps to put together the lead and trial trail riders for Ducati uh, called in a uh, what I want to say they were freaking out. <laughs> right, 
Because the lead and trail riders that they had scheduled to run uh, Ducati demos out in Redmond had not appeared, and they needed riders quickly. So I don't know whatever happened on that, but it was kind of sent a message to me, like when we do our fun runs at the rally. Of course, I always put two people on a checkpoint. Good to have some backup. That way, if somebody isn't able to make it, I still got one person there, or if somebody needs to get a restroom break or whatever, we've still got somebody out there. So I think it pays to have backups on on things like demo rides like that. Now I think that's an excellent point. Hopefully, uh, not too many riders were left out in the cold on that i hope they got it put together and got some people out to uh, enjoy the afternoon yeah uh we also posted up that we put up the rally schedule uh first draft for the rally in the gorge rally in the gorge at the end of august so coming up in just a couple of weeks and it's looking great this year it always does but uh, this year in particular a lot of interesting stuff going on and uh, expecting a pretty big turnout too yeah, we got some good guest speakers. Um, there will be tweaks made to this rally schedule. I've already uh, encountered a few changes for it, so we'll we'll uh, be putting those up. I would say by the time we get to the first week of August, it'll be pretty well set in stone. So that's a good reminder to uh, mark on your personal calendars there to download the August show of uh, the Sound Rider show, where we'll be talking a little bit more about some pro- probably some of the specifics there. Yeah. Yeah, and we're also going to be covering things like what are we going to be having for door prizes? What are we going to be having for auction items this year? Um, all that, all kinds of stuff. And I, I think uh, the plan is we'll have Connie come on, Great. who kind of manages all that. Yeah, and then we'll spend the other fifty minutes talking about everything, the latest and greatest, just like here on News Bites. You the mean Pacific the other five Bites. minutes? Yeah, <laughs> well, that it'll be our longest show of the year, three hours and. Uh, Two hours and uh, 55 minutes talking about the gorge. No, but we'll have some great stuff in August, too, because it's going to be another busy month. So this was an interesting news bite that came up. We got a press release out of Team Oregon uh, advising riders that they will be changing all the curve speed warning signs in Oregon over the next two years. So you probably want to think more about really heeding the speed. If you're like me and you think, oh, I can go through that turn 10 miles an hour faster, right? Um, then uh, it may be a little bit different. So really, this is more about making the curve warning signs accurate than anything else. Exactly. Right? They, they claim to have some sort of technology. I don't know if they're using some kind of laser technology or GPS technology or whatever, but they can, they can much better now assess what a, a curve speed should be as opposed to the way they used to do it. Well, I'll tell you what, even just the, uh, the technology, you know, of course, in cars and motorcycles and even the last decade, um, you know, I drive a, a vehicle that's about a decade old, and every once in a while I'll hop in a rental car, uh, just a little piece of crap $15,000 car, and I'm amazed at how well it hugs the road, how stable it feels. Yeah. And uh, as technology progresses here, a lot of those old curve signs are way outdated way so. outdated yeah. i i mean i was experiencing some on the sasquatch tour where i was 20 25 miles an hour yeah. over and i'm like no, no that's not that i ride that fast right it's just that they underrated that curve yeah because they're made for you know rolling through these curves in a 1970s jeep wagoneer yeah which, <laughs> which you know uh requires a little more care is that what is that what your yours is in nineteen seventy? No, mine's a two thousand and four <laughs> Grand Cherokee. But I'm talking about the old wood panels where uh, you know yeah. a lot of these original signs went up. So, um, but you know, I also feel the same way about speed limits. Let's let's raise those a little bit too, huh? Well, and you know, I, I I'm a big advocate of of knowing how to use the vanishing point technique. True. And how to ride with it. And uh, actually, I I, I kind of like to ride using the vanishing point technique and ignore the warning signs. Of course, you know, someone like David Huff would say, well, now you're really crazy, Tom. But um, (laughs) when you use your eyes and you look out to that vanishing point, your brain is doing all the math to know how slow you need to be going or how how much faster you could possibly go. And uh, a lot of the work gets done by your brain, not by somebody who wrote a yellow sign to tell you how fast to go. Well, I think that's it. You know, at the end of the day, you have to get out there and practice. You have to know yourself. You have to know your bike. And uh, those warning signs, in a sense, you should be ignoring anyway because it might be um, too fast, the recommendation for you. So you have to ride at your own level of capability. So um, the next item on News Bites that was sort of disheartening. But big news. The big news, there will be no motorcycle show put on by the Advanced Star people in the Pacific Northwest during this winter 
There will be no show in Seattle. There will be no show in Portland. As well, there will only be one West Coast show that will be in Los Angeles, which also means there will be no Bay Area show for the San Francisco Bay Area. Right. So we're talking about the International Motorcycle Show. Yeah. Last year we had it in Portland here in the Pacific Northwest. The year before that we had it in Seattle. And as of now, um, according to their website anyway, they only have seven dates scheduled. And if you are in the Pacific Northwest, you better start planning for a plane ticket because you're going to be going to Long Beach. Exactly. Right? If you want to go to a motorcycle show this year, you're you're heading somewhere else. Washington, D.C., Cleveland, Chicago, Dallas. Uh, and uh, another odd one was there was no Daytona date. So that makes me wonder, are they still planning, do you think? Do you think there's any other dates the, to come along, it Not didn't give, according to what I saw on their website. It didn't give when you any, put that when you put when you put a schedule like that up, it's kind of like you've got it all set in stone. Right. There's nothing that says stay tuned for further dates. There yeah. is a thing that says stay tuned for more information. Right. So, uh, well, fingers crossed. I mean, maybe something will pop up. But you know, something I thought was interesting on that too is um, Minneapolis and Chicago in February. Nothing says motorcycle riding like that, huh? Uh, well, they've done it. They they kind of had to do it that way all the time, anyways. But still, what is the emphasis on having these? Because we've had them in uh, February, and November, and that kind of thing here in the Pacific Northwest. Why are these not more springtime, summertime events? Do you because think? the dealers don't want to participate because they're starting to sell product. Mm. Well, so that that's why sense, they yeah. do it in the fall and the winter. Okay. Well, yeah. I guess maybe that gives you an excuse not to do demo rides too, huh? Well, and they were they were having some Harley demo rides down there in Portland last year, but yeah. then I guess they had to shut it down on a day it rained. So, it never rains in Portland. You know, <laughs> truth is, if if you've got the the financial credentials and you go down to a lot of dealers, will let you take a demo ride yeah, on a bike. Definitely, you don't need to wait for the factory truck to pull up and get the corporate handshake from the guy. No, of course not. But sometimes, you know. Just the we've talked about this in the past too. Just trying to make some of these events a little more lively and uh, a little more focused on recruiting new riders too, because there's a lot of hand wringing in the industry about oh, younger riders aren't aren't taking part in that kind of thing. But uh, you know these premier events. You know now we're talking about cutting it down to potentially seven cities. Um, you know it's just it's not, one of those not things. what it used to be. Well, that's that's kind of the impression that I get too. But hopefully. Um, Hopefully, these seven shows that they have scheduled will be a big success, and uh, we'll see a nice year for the industry as a whole. Somehow, some way. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see if anybody decides they want to try to put on their motor their own motorcycle show here in the Pacific Northwest. We've we've seen people try this before; it right. hasn't worked out. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah. So, okay, well, listen, we're going to take a break, and uh, when we come back, we'll jump on the calendar, and oh my, what a month it is. It is on the Soundwriter Show. Stick around. Support for the Soundwriter Show is provided in part by Rich's Custom Seats. Do long days on the road take their toll on your body? That's because stock seats and generic aftermarket seats don't fit anybody. Have your motorcycle seat custom fit to your body. Improve your ergonomic positioning and enjoy long days in the saddle with a Rich's Custom Seat. Just a ferry ride from Seattle. Experience a Rich's Custom Seat today. Hi, this is Whitney Caberly from Dirt Bike Safety Training, and you're listening to The Sound Rider Show. Yeah, I'm Tech Steer from uh, Wenatchee, Washington. One of my favorite rides is uh, from the Columbia River up through the Klickitat Gorge to BZ Corner and on into Glenwood. Yippee Rip City. In the thick of the Sound Rider Show and in the heart of the motorcycling season. Of course, we're talking about the July calendar now, and there is all kinds of stuff going on. If you cannot find an excuse to ride in July here in the Pacific Northwest, then uh, you're just not trying hard enough. <laughs> and it doesn't matter what you ride. If you ride a sport bike, a cruiser dual sport, yep. you name it. There's so much going on. There's so much going on, we aren't even going to say it all on the show today. No, you'll have to go to soundrider.com slash calendar to check it all out, but we're going to give you a few highlights here anyway. I'm going to give you some of the highlights. So um, now, now, 
There's a word. It's called cluster something. Right. Uh, so, so I think it rhymes with duck or something. No, I think it is cluster duck. And oh yeah. man, the weekend of July seventh through the tenth is just insane. You've got uh, the Victory Motorcycle Regional Meet. That's happening. Um, you've got the Boise. Hell's Canyon Rally. Is that in Boise? Okay. Yep. And then you got the uh, Hell's Canyon Rally going on just up the road in Baker City. That's I wonder right. if, if the Victory guys are all going to ride up to the Hell's Canyon Rally. Maybe that's the plan. Well, I tell you what, there's probably going to be a lot of back and forth. You got a CMA rally in, uh, it's in Washington State, right? That's out in Easton. Eastern Washington. Eastern Washington. Yep. Yeah. So that's also the same weekend. So there's three in a row. And, uh, well, you know what I always say? There's 52 weeks in the year, and yep. 26 of them suck. Right. <laughs> so everybody's trying to get their rallies in on, during the nice weather, and they all kind of land on top of each other. That's the truth. But the good thing is, is you won't have to ride too far to get to some of these events. So all of our listeners here in the Pacific Northwest in a few hours max, and you can be either to Boise, Baker City, out in Easton, or you can stick around in the uh, you know the west part here, too. Yeah. Uh, okay, and then we got, uh, on the 13th, the uh, Seattle Used Bikes has their Wednesday night bike night. Now, there's a number of bike nights that you'll find in the calendar, but I wanted to bring this one up this time because I went down to it last month. Oh, how'd it go? And uh, it was kind of fun. I got, cool. to, I got to see some old friends of mine, and uh, the guy had the barbecue going on out there, and it was you know a little scene out there for everybody driving up and down Aurora to see. Sure. Uh, the guy over at the Fuse Box, very nice guy. So you can... Uh, it's kind of loose. You can get a little, uh, you know, you can get yourself a glass of beer at the fuse box right. and go sit down and eat your barbecue sandwich and gawk at all the bikes. So um, Always yeah. a good time out there, though. Good people, too, at Seattle Used Bikes. Dave's a great guy. Yeah, yeah. He's been on the show. Uh, let's see. What else is happening? Okay, then on the uh, 16th, 17th, MotoFit will be doing their track day out at Oregon Raceway Park. Um, if you've never done a track day or you've never ridden at Oregon Raceway Park, we will be allowing our registered riders for the Rally in the Gorge to go ride on the track. Wow, that's a sweet feature. At the end of August. Yeah. So, uh, but it's a, it's a good deal that Motofoot puts on. It's two days, so in the evening there's a barbecue or, a, you know, bring whatever food you want to bring in. Uh, they do recommend if you're planning to do two days of the training, you could do Friday and Saturday. Right. That uh, you don't want to be like intoxicating yourself on Friday night because you got to get up sense. in the morning and work yeah. hard again. So. And that's a lot of work on your brain, especially if you're a new rider or a newer rider at the kind of performance level. Yeah. Uh, okay, John Mark Mankey, uh, third year in a row on this event. It's called Cruising for Critters, and it's a fun run that he does out in the Palouse region, and it raises money for one of the animal agencies out there. And uh, Yeah, so that is a, a poker run to benefit the Whitman County Humane Society in Pullman, Washington, and that's going to be happening on the 17th of July. There you go. Yep. And uh, I, I really want to go sometime. It's, I, you know, but there again, there's so much there's going so on. There's so much to do, yeah. I gotta, uh, unfortunately, I'll be here on the sunny days working on maps and stuff for the rally. Right, you guys will all be out cruising for critters. <laughs> go out there so, and enjoy it, though, on uh, Tom's behalf. I think we need to move cruising for critters to, like, September 15th. That would work better for you? Yeah, and it'd be yeah, a little yeah. cooler in the Palouse, too. Sure, yeah. Well, let's make a call. We'll see if we can make it happen. <laughs> Uh, okay, and then uh, July 20th through the 24th, you've got the Pendleton Bike Week, second second time around on this one, and uh, it's getting bigger and bigger. In fact, they'll be doing a uh, <clears throat> the uh, Nitro Hill Climb races up in the Blue Mountains. They've got some property that near there, be so exciting. that's going to be part of the yeah. rally. Uh, and they'll have the Three Dog Night concert, and they'll have the tattoo contest, and they'll have the forty-five caliber poker run where you can win a gun. It's just, it's just. It's, a blast. Sounds like a good time. Now, is are all three dogs the original members? Do you know in Three Dog Night? Uh no. I heard somebody passed on. I, I think well, there, there was more original members than three. Okay, you have to go to Wikipedia. I'm not going to do it right now on the show. I gotcha. Uh, we'll save that for our music podcast. Yeah, I right. Don't know, I don't know what you know. Wikipedia will tell us the origination of the name Three Dog Night. Yeah, yeah. That's your Wikipedia homework for, That's you, right. for the next month. <laughs> 
Uh, what else is going on? Um, okay, and then uh, Washington State BMW Owners Group is going to have their Cascade County Rendezvous up in uh, up near Republic, and uh, that's that's been going on for many many years. Um, but there are even more rallies that I didn't talk about. Yeah, there's a ton. What's the date on the Cascade County Rendezvous? So that is going to be happening uh, the 21st through the 24th. And uh, as always, there's a note here that you do not have to be a BMW rider. So right. if you've got your Africa twin, get out there and enjoy but it. But you do need to pre-register if you want to get the the meals on, I think, Friday and Saturday night. Otherwise, you're, okay. not, you're not getting That's your meal tip. tickets. Yeah. And uh, you, they've got the, we've got the website link up here at uh, soundwriter.com slash calendar. Again, that's the 21st through the 24th. So if you want more information, you can always go and click the link. All right. So we're going to uh, close up this segment right now. And when we come back, Derek and I are going to be looking at new products on the market. Live and in concert during Pendleton Bike Week, it's Three Dog Night. Performing one night only, Saturday, July 23rd at 8.30 p.m. Don't miss your chance to see this legendary band perform at the world-famous Happy Canyon Arena in Pendleton, Oregon. With hits like... Get your tickets now online at PendletonBikeWeek.com. Don't wait. Your three-dog night ticket includes free admission to the motorcycle stunt show and awesome after-party. Get your tickets at PendletonBikeWeek.com. Pendleton Bike Week, July 20th through 24th. Three Dog Night, live Saturday, July 23rd at Pendleton Bike Week. Sponsored by 92.1 Party FM. Hey everybody, this is Andrew from Moscow Moto, and you're listening to The Sound Rider Show. Hi, my name is Alan Ayers uh, from White Center, Washington. Uh, one of my favorite rides that we do quite often is go up through Greenwater over the Natchez Trail, come out over in Yakima. Uh, I do it on my Honda NC700X. Uh, not many people do it on that bike, and I get some strange looks, but it works great. Studio on the Sound Rider Show, and normally, you know, we like to go into an interview segment. But uh, this month, we thought that we'd talk about kind of some new gear items or some gear items that we were looking for, and uh, we kind of took uh, sort of coincidentally. Um, we didn't really plan this, but I had picked out a couple of items that are a little more city oriented, and you had picked out some more technical related gear. So we figured we'd kind of hash it out a little bit and try to inform our listeners on uh, some of the nice, uh, latest, uh, and greatest products. That are hitting the market here. Okay, so you got something I can wear in the city. Well, that's it. so. Here's here's how this kind of originated for me. One of my favorite things to do is you know long rides are great, adventure motorcycling is great, but sometimes you know after a long week of work, I just like to kind of bop around on the bike all day. Sometimes I only put on twenty or twenty five miles. Go have a cup of coffee. Go have lunch. Relax. And uh, you know wearing around a technical adventure touring suit can sometimes be. A little bit cumbersome, so I've been kind of on the lookout for uh, gear that will offer a high level of protection, but also something where I don't feel like it's a burden to be on and off the bike the whole time. Okay, does that make sense to you? Yeah, sort of. Right. Uh, it's 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 a tough it's a tough dream to make come true. Tell me how you do it. Right. So it can be a bit of a compromise, but uh, I'd like to think that there's a few things out there that don't offer that big of a compromise. And one of the things that I found was a, uh, it's called a Knox Urban Motorcycle Shirt. And basically this is a mesh long sleeve shirt. It zips up to the front and it has, uh, it's got the built-in built in Knox rated armor on the shoulders, on the back, and uh, on the elbows. And basically the idea is that you can put any jacket over this, but also that, you know, it's something that you can take off. So if you do get to a restaurant, if you're going to hang out with friends for a while, whatever it may be, you can kind of take that uh, under lining off, keep your jacket with you, maybe stuff it in your pannier, your saddlebag, 
and get about your daily life. So you're saying that you wouldn't wear a motorcycle jacket over the top of that that has armor in it because you've already got the armor on? Not so much. Actually, what I'm saying is that I would wear maybe like a leather motorcycle jacket, which I'll get to in a second, that maybe doesn't have the built-in armor. Uh But then you put the leather motorcycle jacket over this, and then at the very least, when you get off the bike, you can shed some of that extra weight, some of that bulk, and kind of return to uh, whatever it is that you wanted to do that day. Now, do they make like a long john with the armor and the hips and the knees? You know, that's a great question. I haven't seen anything like that yet, um, but I haven't done too much research into the bottom half, but that's definitely something I think would be um, would be a nice touch. I think I've seen, though, well, maybe maybe they don't have the armor, but that's a great question. Some of our for. savvy seasoned riders know about the Bond armor product that yeah. works that way, so I just didn't know if Knox was going up against Bond armor with something like that. You know, they very well may be, but uh, what's Bond armor? Tell, uh, armor? Tell us a little bit more about that. It's, a, it's, a, it's like a, an interior layer that has armor in it. Okay. So you can put it on and then put your blue jeans on. Right. And if you go down your blue jeans, you'll shred the blue jeans up, but you won't shred up. The underneath there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that would be a, a great companion to the second thing that I've got on this list, which is a company called Saint, and they make uh, 100% Kevlar motorcycle pants. So this is more a focus on abrasion resistance because, as we know, denim, it doesn't do anything. As soon as it hits the pavement, it essentially explodes. At 60 miles an hour. Yeah. At 8 feet. It's gone. Right. And I, I and you're into road rash. And I've read statistics where it's like less than half a second and that kind of thing. Now, these are rated, uh, the testing had them where they could hold up to uh, 3.62 seconds, which almost makes it a level one. I guess level one is four seconds. Huh. So um, I've seen some testing on YouTube and that kind of stuff for different brands that use some of these Kevlar products. They'll essentially put like sandbags in a pair of jeans and yeah. drag it around and throw circle. it out the back of a truck yeah and see yeah. kind of what happens that's actually how vanson did their test on blue jeans and leather oh yeah they just threw dummies full of sand out the back of a truck this is like 15 years ago right so that sounds like a good uh, a good test for our sound writers mythbuster show that we're going to do sometime in the winter <laughs> right yeah <laughs> But anyway, these are good-looking pants, a little more modern fit, and we're seeing a lot of companies, too, that are starting to make efforts, at least, to make essentially technical gear that looks and is, is styled a little more for the everyday wear, and uh, that's a trend that I like to see continue because I really don't like to ride um, in the absence of protective gear, and um, I know a lot of people feel that way, but, you know. Now, with- do these pants have armor in them? These particular brands, they do not. They um, do not. That's okay. right. So. Uh, but they'll still set you back. Kevlar's a pretty expensive fiber, so you're looking at about 350 bucks. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, one of the things that I, I don't know how it breaks down across all the materials, but I know on some of these synthetic materials, when you heat them up and they do start to, to burn through, right. that attaches to your flesh. So if you do have to go to ER, they have to pluck off this melted... Uh, Sure. Um, say plastic or right. synthetic or whatever. Uh, depends on, on what the product is. Yeah, and I, I would think that, uh, you know, I know a lot of this Kevlar stuff, too, they have uh, woven into fire protection suits and that kind of thing for, like, NASCAR. So I think Kevlar, uh, you know. Yeah, well, there's not a lot of road rash that happens in NASCAR, I don't think. True, but there's a lot of uh, gas tank fires. Right, okay. Right, so okay. I think that you're right. This is, again, this is DuPont, and they make a lot of fireproof suits. Uh, Kevlar is a DuPont product. So... You know, something interesting to consider, and if you're just doing city riding where your speeds are going to be less than 30 miles an hour, uh, I probably wouldn't worry about the heat too much. Okay. Um, And then lastly on here, um, we're talking about just kind of a nice leather jacket is something that I've been looking for. And uh, again, Dionysi has uh, a couple of great ones out there with some really modern styles and fits. One in particular that um, I have been a fan of, and again, it's pricey, real leather always is, uh, but is the Dionysi Richard. And uh, that's about 700 bucks, but a nice um, companion piece. And that does have pockets for armor, so you can get back and elbow armor and a shoulder armor in there as well. But you won't need it because you got your... your uh, that's right. In this case, you wouldn't specifically need your it. Your Knox product. Right. So you can keep, though, a little more slimmer line. Um, you know, fashion's not everything. It shouldn't be your prime consideration, certainly. But, uh, you know, if you're just doing your daily job on uh, on the bike, or if you're a sales guy or whatever, maybe some of this stuff uh, could get you out on the road a little bit more. So the next time I see you, you're going to have this nice leather jacket on, you're going to have the Knox mesh gear on underneath uh-huh. that, and you're going to be wearing a pair of Kevlar pants. Right, so I think my uh, Soundwriter profit-sharing check comes in this month. Is that... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that was the uh, 5013C. I gotcha, right. Check, yeah. <laughs> 
All right. Well, I got three items here. Yeah, let's get into it. Um, I mean, all your stuff is somewhat technical, too. So. That's true. Yeah. Um, I've been, uh, this is sort of a first impression, because I've only worn it maybe about mm, seven or eight days now. But uh, I've got the, the new, the newest Kilimanjaro, first gear Kilimanjaro jacket. Uh, it's called the Kilimanjaro 37.5. Now, I don't remember First Gear doing 37 versions of right. the Kilimanjaro, so I haven't quite figured out what that's all about. I got the paperwork, but I just haven't read it all yet. Well, maybe it was so much better than the 36 that they had to go one and a half versions up. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I don't know if they you know, had, had to install a new driver or some firmware or something. Yeah. So it got 37.5. Autom- kind of like Windows 8.1. Automatic know? updates. When you bought it, it was actually 37.125. <laughs> so. I got the antivirus with That's it. It's it. really good. That's good. Keeps you healthy on the road. So uh, I actually got that and the pants, the Kilimanjaro pants. Nice. So a whole so. riding suit. Yeah, whole riding suit. Cool. So, uh, and I, I had been in TPG gear for basically ten years. I've been wearing a TPG suit, which was made by First Gear. Right. And um, so it's it's definitely different. There's some things I miss about the TPG, but there's some stuff that they did in the Kilimanjaro that was I thought it was kind of smart. They you don't get it with a liner. No, no, really? uh, no liner. So you go out and you get your own liner. You get the kind that works best for you. You know, liners is like soles and shoes. It's always been the place where they cut the corners to That's true. quality. So, um, um, it's so got a lot of pockets. Have you bought a liner? Sorry to go back to that first point. There. Well, I've got my uh, outdoor research neoplume jacket that works really nice as oh, a yeah. liner. That's a good. But suggestion. when I went off and did Sasquatch, I just took the uh, Gerd- Gordon's jacket, nice. you know, the heated jacket, yeah. and that was my liner. And then when I needed heat, I just plugged in and turned it on, and oh, it was nice. Yeah, I mean, it's not like you're riding through snow or anything every now and then. Okay. <laughs> but you know what? Uh, on that tour, it was cool enough every morning. I used that oh, stuff yeah. every day. Definitely. So uh, so that was a nice combination. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we did a, a little a recent packing light, packing ride seminar where we got into a guy's luggage on his bike. He let us. Yeah. And uh, we, we pulled out uh, a liner from the jacket he was wearing, and then another... Uh, a base layer, thick base layer, and, a, and a, a fleece top. And, and I mean, this guy had like four different things that would all work as a liner. So he'll be carrying about 15 pounds less next time. It really pays to evaluate your gear every once in a while, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, so uh, yeah, so back on the first gear jacket, uh, lots of pockets. I'm still getting used to where I've put everything. So things can be lost for a while until I remember which pocket. And there's about 10 of them on the jacket. Well, after 10 years of your old suit, that really becomes second nature. It does. Yeah. It really does. Yep. Um, no more hook on the front of the jacket, which I miss because that's where I used to either put my heat thermostat or I could leave my key, you know, my, my Soundrider key easy sure. and access my key from the outside of the jacket. So, uh, but I'm working around that. But uh, um, nice, bright, tropical green color. I like that. Tropical frog green. Nice high-vis, right? High-vis. So people are seeing me when I'm riding. Goes with the helmet, goes with the bike. Sure. So uh, I'll be doing a write-up on that coming up here, probably more around the August or the September issue. So your your tropical tree frog green on the suit on a yellow bike. Oh, yeah. Can't miss you. looking like Christmas coming (laughs) up. Can't miss you. Um, okay, now here's another product that I'm really impressed with. <clears throat> the, it's a company called TCX Boots, who is kind of a new brand, but not really because they bought an old brand that doesn't exist anymore. Okay. And uh, they really are, they're, and they're, they're, their motto is focus on boots. They're focused on boots. That's wow. what they make. So they came up with some boots for both street riding and track riding. Nice. And adventure riding. So they've got a nice stiff ankle. And uh, they got, uh, if you get the Adventure Infinity GT model, you get it with Gore-Tex. Now, they make another model with, with, a, with a waterproof liner in there, but it's their own. And uh, my theory has always been... Unfortunately, it's been a reality too many times. Sure. Is that uh, unless it says Gore-Tex, it's going to leak. So Gore-Tex does have a pretty good reputation, and as far as waterproofing goes, tends to be on the more breathable side. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. Right. So, exactly. I mean, that's important too because you start to get on some of those humid days and that kind of thing, and it can it can build up. And to be a Gore-Tex, uh, to use Gore-Tex, you have to buy it and and pay a license for it. Right. And you have to be trained on how to sew the seams and how to keep it watertight when you're putting it into your garments. So there's some back end uh, support and uh, requirements. So you can you can, yeah. be, you can be pretty confident. You see yeah, I don't want people tag. just buying it and then messing it up, and then somebody says, "Well, Gore-Tex doesn't work." Right. They they really careful about that. Got to protect the brand. Uh, last one on my list is the Vapor Solar T. This is a shirt that we've been selling in our online store for about a year now. Uh, these shirts are uh, 40, 50 SPF. Right. Uh, long sleeve. We've got them in gray and a uh, sand color. Um, but what I like about them is they got a longer tail on them. And I just go nuts when I'm walking around, whether I'm on a motorcycle or just got my civilian clothes on. Um, and all my shirt tails keep popping out. I don't like that. That's true. And especially on the bike with a lot of sort of uh, shifting in the seat on those longer rides, you're trying to stay comfortable, standing up on the pegs, sitting down. Exactly. And sometimes that stuff starts to bunch up. And I also, as an all-purpose shirt, especially when you're out touring, uh, long sleeve is great because it's just one less place you have to put sunscreen on. Yeah, you know? exactly, exactly. And I got, you know, and then I got the sun protection. Uh, insulates a little bit if I need it to when I when I have the vents all shut down on the jacket. Yep. And uh, as soon as I take it off, it wicks off all the excess heat all over my body and not just my core, but right. all my arms too. So uh, nice shirt. We've been moving a lot of them this summer. And uh, people try one and then they usually come back and get two or three more. But uh, I got mine on today. Yeah. So. Well, and you know, you talked about uh, the Soundwriter store there a little bit where we sell these uh, Vapor Tees. And also your first item, too, was um, the technical jacket. And I also talked about the uh, leather motorcycle jackets. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about where people can get these things. Yeah. Um, well, you want to start there with... Uh... Okay. So let me go backwards on my stuff. Sure. Uh, Kilimanjaro, you're going to find out at most better shops around town. Um, and we need to have another discussion right after this. Yeah. <clears throat> about... Where are you finding gear at now? Sure. But, uh, uh, the TCX boots, I'm seeing them at Skagit Power Sports, and I'm seeing them at Triumph of Seattle. Uh, the Vapor Tea is in our store, and you won't find it in a retail store. How about your jacket? And, you know, and so uh, I did just sort of global research here online, and uh, the Knox Urban uh, motorcycle shirt, that was I could only find available currently right now, at least in Europe. Um, so that oh. had to be an overseas shipment. Um, and then Saint, uh, the Kevlar motorcycle pants, that's a dealer direct so far. And then Dionysi, they're in a lot of different shops here um, all throughout the Pacific Northwest. I'm not sure about that specific jacket, but I'm sure they could certainly order it for you. Yeah, so speak, So, so this is the conversation I want to have. Yeah. Um, what's happening now with these OEMs that are saying you got to dedicate a certain amount of floor space just to our motorcycle line. Yeah. They're like... Um, there's no more room in the stores to put accessories in non-OEM product. Right. So you buy a 5,000-square-foot showroom, and you think, oh, we'll put the motorcycles over here, we'll put the gear over here, and then the dealer comes in and says, well, actually, you need to dedicate at least 4,800 square feet. The OEM. Yeah, to motorcycles. The OEM comes in and right. says, you need to dedicate this much space to motorcycles, and we have our own clothing line, so you have to put it over here, and you can't have it in the same room with first gear or joe rock right. or any of that stuff and so now uh, adventure rider goes to his favorite adventure rider store that sells the the line and he can't find a set of rock straps right so we're seeing a little problem coming up here right that now. is and particularly like with the items we talked about a lot of higher end more expensive items where you know it'd be nice to get into a store and actually try it on right to make sure it's a good fit it'd be nice to have it in your hands to inspect it and to get some uh real-world commentary from people in the shop who have dealt with it, who have other customer reviews and that kind of thing. And that's been tougher and tougher yeah. to do. So I think people like uh, Seattle Cycle Center, maybe Cycle Gear, right. are in a position to start moving more inventory now because it's harder to find it at some of the other big shops. That's true. So we'll see what happens on that. Definitely. And also, just on that, what I wanted to do is actually give you a shout-out on the uh, motorcycle jacket um what was like sort of an equipment list that you did last month? Uh, oh, yeah. Key what items. I carry in my jacket. Yeah, what you carry in your jacket. I, or thought I that think was... I'm going to rename it. It's called What's Lost in My Jacket. Right now. <laughs> but I thought that was interesting. <laughs> and uh, really having um, items that close to you 
um, on the bike can be really important. So we talk about a, a lot about you know doing your saddlebags and your panniers and you know organizing your gear, but also organize your jacket. Yeah, and I'll leave that article up for the month of July, yeah. so everybody can read it. And I encourage everyone to read it, as always. Okay, we're going to take a quick break here, and then we'll be back with a few tips and tricks for you. Support for the Soundwriter Show is provided in part by The Rally in the Gorge. Are you ready to go beyond the main roads? Since 2003, The Rally in the Gorge has introduced riders intimately to the awesome secondary and tertiary roads in the Columbia River Gorge National Scenic Area. With programs for dual sport, adventure, sport touring, and sport bike enthusiasts, this is the rally you'll want to return to again and again. For more information, visit soundrider.com rally. Hey, this is Bob Gerby from Gordon Seated Clothing, and you're listening to The Soundwriter Show. Hi, I'm Mark from Seattle. I ride an R12 GS, and I like to ride around Mount St. Helens. segment here on this July episode of the Soundwriter Show. And of course, we would never leave you without a couple of tips and tricks. Uh, as always, Tom and I do not discuss this before the show, so we always kind of open it up here. Tom, you want to get started or you want me to take the lead on this one? Uh, I'll, go, I'll go ahead and What do you got this month here in July? <clears throat> well, um, something that I learned while I was cleaning or actually replacing my chain and sprocket last winter was how much garbage gets up in the final drive area. A uh, little road grime just gets up there and attracts more dirt, and it builds up and builds up and builds up. That's a good point. And uh, if you have ever taken that little case off or looked up in the back there, you'll know that there's a lot of junk up in there. Um, so <clears throat> um, rather than waiting the 15,000-mile interval or whatever it may be to change your chain and sprocket, right? every time you uh, get a rear tire replaced— that's the time to go up in there and fish out all that junk. Because what happens is when it rains and it loosens some of it up, it gets on your chain, starts grinding away your O-rings. Um, or you're, if you're a dual sport guy, or even if you're a street guy, you're out there hitting bumps and stuff, and more stuff falls down onto your chain. You're yep. spinning all this stuff around. And so you're getting less life out of your chain as a result. And it's always good to keep on top of those just in general to increase the lifespan. Same thing goes for the sprocket back there. So. You're right, too. I mean, you, when you get up in there with a flashlight, and uh, it's pretty nasty. It can get pretty gnarly at times. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, uh, use a, a little um, product like WD-40 that's a solvent. Right. That'll help loosen it up. You're not supposed to lube your chain with WD-40? No, you don't <laughs> do that. That's a bad idea. In fact, if you use a WD-40, you want to uh, uh, make sure that you do lube your chain after having used it yeah. and clean it off. That's right. And that just in case we have any very, very new uh, riders listening, that's uh, that's a little bit of a joke. You should never use WD-40 to lube No, It's, a, lube solvent, not a, clean, it's right. a solvent cleaner, not yep. a lubricant. That's right. So what do you got? So, you know, we're talking about the July episode here, and uh, we, you know, we mentioned Moto Independence. But uh, I am kind of a fan of American history, and uh, I do think that uh, July 4th is kind of a pretty neat date in our history. And that always makes me feel a little philosophical. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a philosophical tip this month, and that is uh, just to seek uh, motorcycling inspiration. You know, sometimes uh, life gets busy and that kind of thing. We all know we love motorcycling, but really doing something like uh, reading a good book even flipping through a magazine or combing through the archive on Soundwriter, you know, you start to get into some of these more interesting stories and tales that guys have to re uh, have you know written down over the you know the hundred years of motorcycling that oh, we yeah. have access to, and that can kind of recharge the battery. And um, even just looking at an atlas and that kind of thing. So you know, philosophical. It's not a technical tip, but just to keep in mind, you know, that you do love the sport, you do have to dedicate time to it. And doing something like read a book or uh, you know just even you know spending some time to kind of uh, clean the bike. Well, I, I can add something to that. Yeah. I don't know if you saw the column that came out last month, and we haven't really talked about it, but it's called Back in the Old Days. I did, yeah. And that's the first one, and I don't know how large the series is going to be, because right. I'm just going to keep running a column like that every month until I run out of stuff to say. Sure. 
So uh, that's kind of it's kind of a fun read. Yeah, it is. I did. I really enjoyed that article, and um, I think also uh, one of the things on my list is to read uh, Dr. Greg Fraser's book about uh, it's uh, Clancy Stearns, right? Definitely. Yeah. And and you'll be at the rally, and you'll go to his show on on uh, Clancy Stearns. I will definitely be doing both of those. Carl so. Clancy Stearns. That's right, Carl Clancy Stearns. Back in was that what nineteen ten or nineteen oh six, something like that. So. Uh, nineteen or maybe nineteen twenty one. Nineteen twelve thirteen. There we go. Yeah, fourth date. We'll get it right eventually. Which I hadn't discussed this yet, but I will in a future column on back in the old days when he was riding around the world. Yeah. There hadn't been a World War One or a World War Two yet, so yeah. the art and things that he was seeing were things that either disappeared yeah. uh, in those wars or came over to America later. In fact, they were already starting to cart art out of Europe and into America Yep, because uh, we didn't have a whole lot here, so we had to get it somewhere else. That's really the, pre, <laughs> the pre-modern age when you're talking about before World War One. So. Yeah, interesting touring stuff. There. Yeah, absolutely. All right, folks, that's our July show. And uh, obviously, we want you to uh, jump on Soundwriter every now and then and read the articles. But uh, we do appreciate you listening in as well. And uh, we want you to ride safe. We want you to ride well. We want you to ride often. And don't ride like my mother. And don't ride like my mother. We will see you in August on the Soundwriter Show. The Soundwriter Show was made possible by today's sponsors and the patience of everyone else involved, which is not to say we're doctors. Reproduction of this program in part or in whole is not legal without the express written consent of the podcast owner. But please be sure to share the link with all your Facebook friends. This program is a production of mixed media. The content and views of today's guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any major media conglomerate anywhere else in the world, including CBS, NBC, ABC, MotoGP, the BBC, PBS, NPR, the Discovery Network, or the Cartoon Channel. See you next time on the Sound Rider Show.